Welcome to episode nine of the Inside Nutley podcast. I'm your host, Tom Greco, and I'm pleased to be joined by the current defensive backs coach of the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, as well as two-time Super Bowl champion New York Giants secondary coach and former Nutley resident David Merritt. Welcome, coach. <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate you having me. Excellent. Congratulations on this year's Super Bowl win. You're fourth. Does it ever get old? <laughs> it never gets old, Tom. I tell you, it's you know, the, the, people always ask me, what was your favorite one? And, um, you know, I always say the, the previous one, but it never gets old, man. I can do this every year. I'm almost like, um, what's the guy, Captain America, when he's up there fighting? He said, I can just do this, you know, all day. So I love to be going to the Super Bowl every year. It's a wonderful experience for my family. So it has been tremendous for all of us. Growing up in North Carolina, were you always interested in sports? Yes, my older brother, Tim, played sports, and so he inspired me to start playing sports as a young kid, and then I had neighbors, friends all around that um, had a ball somewhere in the street ready to play after every um, school break, and so I've always been around sports, and um, I have a family full of um, loved ones that have all played sports, and so from baseball to basketball, football, softball, track. I mean, I've always been around some type of ball, some type of team competitive type um, event. So it's always been in my blood. Going into sports gave me an avenue to go down that I didn't have before that allowed me to really just kind of, you know, look at something other than schoolwork as gratification. So, but um, I played basketball and I stopped growing taller and I started growing wider. So my high school coach said, Dave, um, you're probably not going to get no taller than 6'2". So more than likely, you probably need to pick up football. And so I did that my sophomore year. And, you know, it was just, uh, you know, smooth sailing from there. But you attended North Carolina State, which is a very storied athletic program. Did you want to stay close to home or were there other colleges you considered? Yeah, I did. I wanted to stay close to home because of my mom. My mom, um, I'm the youngest of, of her nine children, and she didn't have a high school degree, a diploma, and nor did she have a driver's license. So I said, instead of me going up Chapel Hill or going down to East Carolina, let me just stay right here locally where my mom can get to the ball games. And so that's what I did, which ended up being a great decision. Did she miss any games? She didn't miss a game. She she came to all the home games and, um, you know, she had her Wolfpack shirt on and her baby's name on the back. And funny story about that is when I end up moving on, transitioning to the next level, my mom showed up at one of my pro games with half of a Dallas Cowboys shirt and the other half, the Arizona Cardinals. And so she grew up a Cowboy fan and, and all of a sudden she shows up at the game with my name on the back with, merit and half of it says Dallas and from that point on I started hating the Cowboys that's when I first started hating the Cowboys <laughs> that's a great story did you meet anyone special at North Carolina State uh you know what I had um a young lady that I was fond of and um I started courting um going into my senior year and who ended up becoming my bride and we've been together for the past 32 years and so Yolanda Merritt, she has my five, oh, I'm sorry, my four things. She's quickly to tell you that David has five kids. I have four. And so, but um, Yolanda and I hit it off. We met each other actually her freshman year in college. And when I saw her, I saw her on a picture in the student center. And I looked at her and I fell in love. I kid you not, Tom. I fell in love when I first saw that picture. But then deep down within my spirit, something said, you have no shot. Don't even try it. You have no shot. So that was my freshman year. And we became friends. And, um, you know, as the years went on, I had a girlfriend. She had, you know, a friend that she was dating. And so ended up breaking up with my girlfriend going into my senior season. And so Yolanda and I started dating then, and the rest is history. No turning back, huh? No turning back. No turning back. In 1993, you were drafted as a linebacker by the Miami Dolphins. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that experience. Oh, my gosh. I tell you, you know, to be drafted by Don Shula, number one, 
I mean, that was a dream come true because I grew up not only a Cowboys fan, but I grew up a Miami Dolphins fan. And so being in North Carolina, we didn't have the Carolina Panthers at the time. And so really being there and being able to, you know, see the Miami Dolphins on TV from time to time and then being drafted by Don Shula, who was one of my idols. I mean, I thought I was walking into heaven. And so going there and being a seventh round draft pick when, you know, people say late round draft pick guys really, you know, rarely make it. I was going to prove to everyone that I was going to make it. The one thing I didn't want to do was I didn't want to go back home to Raleigh, North Carolina and be a failure. And so that was one of the things that motivated me when I went down to Miami was to make sure that I studied the playbook, make sure that I hustled and ran to the ball and um, everything worked out. And um, it all paid off for me because I ended up making the squad that fall as a seventh round draft pick. And so that was one check mark and one great accomplishment. Was pro football what you expected it to be? It was and more, to be honest with you. Um, everyone talks about the speed of the game, which the speed of the game is true. It's, it's one of those situations where when you're coming out of college, you're thinking that you're playing with all these fast guys. And, you know, I played against the Charlie Wards and some of those guys that was at Florida State. They came into the ACC back in 1993. And so leaving college and going to the NFL, the speed – changed and it was drastically faster i felt myself being a little more nervous i felt myself you know giving that extra burst and strain and running to the ball and so because everyone around me was doing it and so brian cox had just come off of being like an all pro um almost i think defensive player of the year after his second season there and so i was coming in as a rookie and having him as a guy and we're still friends today. I just saw him at the combine. But having him as a guy, as a mentor, and I know that's kind of crazy to say Brian Cox was your mentor, but <laughs> but but I was a hothead, and Brian Cox actually um, helped me out um, doing my path. But it was everything I, I expected um, and more. I didn't know that you would be fined $250 if you were one pound overweight. So that right there was something that was new of course, being overweight or underweight. And so I saw guys get fined left and right. And um, I didn't know that you had a, a guy that you had to actually drug test and you can be randomly selected. So all these things were new for a guy from South Raleigh. And uh, we didn't do anything like that in North Carolina State. But um, it was great. It was great. Again, playing for a legend like Don Shula was a beautiful thing for me. What was it like going against Dan Marino every practice? Oh, man, I tell you what, that that was it was like me playing Tecmo Bowl all over. You know, <laughs> I was a Tecmo Bowl fan. And so going against Dan Marino in practice, I mean, I remember, especially when they go, it's offense versus defense during training camp. And Don Shuler, um, after a couple of weeks, had put me with the first team. And so therefore, I was able to go against Marino. And I remember once, Tom, I kid you not, he threw a pass and I tried to catch it with my left hand and I went up to catch the ball and it ripped like it, some blood popped up in one of my fingers because the ball was spinning and rotating that fast. And so, but um, it was great playing against him and even all the guys, that was the first year doing free agency, Tom. So 1993 was the first year of free agency. So we had Irvin Fryer that came down from New England. We had Mark Ingram that came over we had Keith Jackson that came down from Philadelphia even Keith Byers later the fullback came down and played you know so I played with Bob Golick who was there and so all these guys were migrating down to Miami because it was the first year of free agency and so I guess everyone wanted to go and be in the sun and I was happy that they all came down and played with us they were all taking their talents to Miami way before LeBron <laughs> Exactly. Excuse me. Exactly. We didn't have a little stage where you sit around and you try to decide where you're going to let everybody know where you're going. No, no, guys just signed the contract and went to play. So <laughs> it was fun. What was your fondest? Hey, I got to tell you a quick story about Miami. Um, Troy Vinson. All right. And I hope Troy sees this. Troy Vinson. I had a picture of Yolanda in my locker. That same picture that I'm talking about that I saw her at the NC State. Um, it may have been a different one, but still, I had a picture in my locker of Yolanda, 
And Troy Vinson, who was a year older than me, he was a first-round draft pick out of Wisconsin, I believe. And Troy Vinson would walk by my locker every day. Now, remember now, he's only one year older, so he had just finished his rookie year. So he was going to do some hazing on me, but he decided that I was a little bigger, so he didn't really want to push it too far. But Troy Vinson used to walk by my locker every day, and he used to look at Yolanda and say, ooh, I can't wait until she comes down here. I can't wait to meet her. So, 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 Tom, I was, I was like, wait a minute, what is this guy talking about? He can't wait to see my bride, my my girlfriend at the time. And so, but that was funny. So he, um, he's still a good friend. But, but I thought that was funny. Every day, I'm telling you, man, it almost got to the point where it was getting a little un. I was a little uneasy there. I was like, wait a minute, this guy must be serious. He really wants to see my girl. So. But um, but we still joke about it today, though. But I had to tell you guys that one. Now he's the vice president of the NFL or something like that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's he's second to Goodell. <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask your Yolanda to give me some good tickets for the next uh, next Giants season or something. What made you want to get into coaching? Oh, I I I have to say there was a man back in my high school by the name of Carl Pridgen. So Carl Pridgen was the first African-American coach that I had seen um, coaching on a squad. And I said, well, you know what? He's very inspirational and he's inspired me to be the best player I can be. I said to myself at one point in time, I said, you know what? I love to maybe one day grow up to do what he's doing to inspire young kids and be able to give people hope. And this man used to come and pick me up. And along with other kids, South Raleigh, which we had this the busing system at the time. So back in the 70s, the busing system started with Carl Pridgen back in the mid 80s used to come and pick me up. And we would actually be 35, almost 35 minutes ish uh, on a bus getting to school every morning. But he used to drive an activity bus and he used to come around and he used to pick us all up and coach Pridgen. You know, just seeing all the little things that he would do, he ran the weight room. So when we were in a weight room, he was the guy that you saw in the weight room. He was the guy who was picking us up on the bus. And so I saw him doing all these little small jobs as well as he was the head JV coach. And so when I played JV my sophomore year, he was my first coach. And so just the way he went about his 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 work was just inspiring to me. And so he was really the main catalyst of the reason why I started coaching because I wanted to reciprocate and do the things that he did for me for other young men. Your first pro coaching job was with the Jets. Then you joined the Giants 2004. How did that come about? Well, so it's interesting because I was coaching back in college at Tennessee um, Chattanooga one year, and then I went to Virginia Military Institution for three years. And my linebacker coach when I played for the Cardinals by the name of Ted Cottrell, who also has been a defensive coordinator for multiple teams. Buffalo Bills is one of the main teams he was a coordinator for. But Ted Cottrell had actually had just taken a job with the Jets in 20, um, 2001. And Yolanda actually found me three jobs, Tom. She actually was the one who actually planted seeds in me to call certain people. So I called Ted Cottrell and I congratulated him and I said to him, coach, hey, if you have a job, I would love to come and work for you. And he hired me at the Jets, where three years later we get fired with the Jets. You know, Jets mean just in the season. That's what they used to chant, J-E-T-S, just in the season. And so um, I end up, you know, leaving the Jets and Yolanda again. We have a friend by the name of the Prefers, Mike Prefer and Debbie Prefer. Well, we didn't have a job. I'm fired from the Jets. Ted Cottrell's fired from the Jets. And I'm sitting here in limbo. And she and Debbie were on the phone one night. And so Debbie all of a sudden said, has Dave called Mike? Well, Mike and I coached together back at VMI years before. And so Yolanda was like, no, call Mike for what? And Debbie said, well, I think Coach Coughlin has a, one position that's left on defense. And so you should tell Dave to give him a call. So I end up calling Coach Prefer, Mike Prefer. And Mike 
gave my name to Tom in 2004, along with Ted Cottrell, along with Jimmy Ray, another friend of mine that I basically consider a dad, he actually picked up the phone and called me back, all right? Meaning that I didn't call him first. Mike gave him my name. Coach Coughlin called me and said, hey, I would like to bring you in on an interview. And so that was 2004. And the only position he had, Tom, was quality control. And so I go in and I interview. And during the interview, there was nothing about football. He asked me, number one, if I was married. I said, yes, sir. Number two, if I had kids, I said, yes, sir, two little boys and an older daughter. And we talked about Yolanda and the kids. That's all we talked about doing my interview for about 15 minutes. And he, a little bit about my past, but not much. And next thing you know, he hired me. And so I think it's very important for these young people out here today that some of these old school coaches or bosses out here, they want to see stability. And I think that's the thing that Tom was looking for was stability. And the fact that I was a young man and I was married and already had a couple of crumb snatchers around my ankles, you know, I think that that helped everything out. But again, that was Yolanda. Yolanda found the New York Jets job because back then, Tom, as you know, we didn't have Internet. And so it was all through the paper. So Yolanda found out that Ted Cottrell was going to the Jets. She put that seed in me. Well, Yolanda ended up talking to her friend Debbie, and all of a sudden, I get that job. And so Yo-Yo has been good to me, man. She has been very good. Okay, here's the big question. How did you yeah. decide to make Nutley your, your home? How did I decide to make Nutley my home? Okay, very simple. I wanted close proximity to my job because I knew that I was going to be working late nights. And when Yolanda came and she saw the township and she didn't want to move to Newark. We didn't know much about the New Jersey, New York area. And Clifton was, you know, very spread out. And, and it was just so happened that she found Nutley again, my yo-yo, my bride. And she said, this is where we need to be. She said, there's something about this town that I think is going to be good for my boys. It's small. It's a great community. Everyone here knows each other. And so... Again, I have to give it to Yolanda. She found it. I didn't, just like she found all the other places that we've ever lived. So it's all yo-yo. Maybe we should have talked to Yolanda instead of you today. <laughs> <laughs> she just texted me. She may have texted you. Are you on the podcast? Yeah, come on on. <laughs> Did you ever think you would spend the next 14 years here? No, no. I'm going to be honest with you. Funny story about that, Tom, is... You remember 2004, five, six, we had, you know, some up and down years. Eli was young. We had Kurt Warner in 04. A lot of people, you remember Kurt even before then. And so, but when we came into the Giants after the third year, the, the, the Maras gave Coach Coughlin an ultimatum. They basically told him, you either make it to the playoffs this year and win a game or else you know, you're basically going to be, you know, canned. And I think you remember, I think the year before, I think we had lost to Carolina really bad at home or something like that. And so we turned around in 2007. I was about to go to North Carolina State. Tom O'Brien was the head coach at the time. Um, Tom O'Brien and I had been talking to one another. Tom O'Brien was going to hire me um, as one of his assistants. And he said, Dave, I want to do it the right way. So I want to call Tom. And so, of course, Tom meaning Tom Coughlin. And O'Brien being from Boston College, Tom Coughlin being from Boston College, the connection was obviously there. And I didn't put two and two together until after I hung up the phone with him. So anyway, he calls Tom Coughlin. And he told Tom, he said, hey, I want to hire David Merritt as one of my assistant coaches. And Tom basically told him, David has a job here. He's a position coach here. I don't need him to go to North Carolina State. He said, let me just talk to Dave and I get back to you. So Tom calls me in his office, I believe, um, later or maybe the next day. And he asked me, he said, why do you want to go to North Carolina State? I said, coach, it's home. It's my alma mater. I said, you know, basically things are not going well here. right now. I don't know what's going to happen. 
And Tom basically proceeded to really just read me the riot act. I mean, he cursed me out up and down. You know, you're a position coach here. If it was a coordinating job, that would be different. But you're trying to tell me you're going to go and take a lateral move back to college? Are you kidding me? In other words. And so he made me feel so small, Tom. I decided that, you know what? Let me just stay here for another year. <laughs> so stayed here in the 2007 season. And Lord have mercy, lightning struck in the bottle because we ended up winning the Super Bowl, as you know. And moving on down the road, we win another one two, four years later. And next thing you know, I turn around and we're on year 14. And it was just a blessing. After Tom was relieved of his duty, being McAdoo, I was on my way to Indianapolis to become an assistant coach there. McAdoo walks into my office and he tells me that I don't want you to leave. Um, I want you to stay here and be a part of this. So we stayed again with McAdoo. And um, you know the ups and downs that happened that first year. We were great in 2016. Went up to Green Bay. That was the boat trip that Odell and the guys took. And all of a sudden now you're trying to go play a playoff game. Just idiots. But anyway, um, we turn around and we end up losing to Green Bay. And then the next season, we all know what happened with McAdoo in 2017. Geno becomes a quarterback out at the Raiders when we were playing the Oakland Raiders. Eli is on the bench where that doesn't look right. I'm walking around the field and I'm looking at the mares and looking at the ownership saying, hmm, this isn't good. This is not good. So all of a sudden at the end of that season, of course, they moved on and they they put Spags in position. All right. And he ended up becoming the interim head coach. And, and I knew at that point in time it was time for me to go. But after 14 years at the Giants, once a giant, always a giant, um, you know, it's it's a great part of my life that my sons I sit and I think about they went through elementary they went through junior high and graduated from high school what coach can say that you know not too many coaches can say that that their kids stayed in one township and you guys saw them grow up all the way through Nutley and so I didn't think we were going to be there 14 years I thought it was going to be three and done and I was going to North Carolina State <laughs> so glad I didn't <laughs> What are some of your favorite memories of raising your family in Nutley? Oh, man, I tell you what, some of the most fondest memories was when they played sports in Nutley. I remember being on the selection committee for the tackling football coaches that were coming through. And I remember sitting in that office and kind of interviewing, helping interview some of these coaches that were coming through and just being a part of all the sports and the love that you all have and have had for decades there helping kids I mean that that is one of the fondest memories that I have that I never forget is the time that you guys took outside of your normal nine to five job or however long you all worked um, you know I never see the daylight when it's dark when I go to work and it's dark when I would come back home but you all took the time to raise my kids in sports yourself as well as some of the other coaches in the area and so those memories right there stick with me. And I talk to my players all the time, Tom. This is great. I'm glad you said this. I teach my players meditation. And it was taught to me at the Giants. And so I tell my players all the time, go to your happy place. I need you guys to think about what makes you happy, what brings you joy. And one of the places that I go to, and I tell my players all the time, I go back to when my kids were on Long Island and when they were in New Jersey. When DJ and Devin were small, that's what I think about that gets me through. And it allows me to calm down my breathing because I remember my little buddies and I remember how you guys treated them. And again, New Yorkers, New Jerseyans, all you guys, I don't want to compare you to because I know that's those are fighting words. It's like Nets and Mets and Jets and Giants. And, you know, I don't want to get into that. The Yankees and Mets, I'm sorry. And so, but um, it was just, that's my happy place. And so I, I look at Nutley as a family. We move one, two, three times in Nutley. <laughs> How about that? Yep. So we started at one spot over in um in Cambridge Heights. We moved over to 357 Prospect. Then we turned around and we went back to Cambridge Heights. <laughs> and so we were going to move. We were going to move and stay in Nutley. We were not going to move anywhere. So it's been awesome, man. And I appreciate you guys. 
well, that's proof that that you really are a nutley at heart because we never leave. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why go anywhere? <laughs> and you're our official Super Bowl winners of Nutley. I mean, I don't think we've ever had any other Super Bowl winners. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I I will I will hope that changes for you guys when I retire. Um, or, when I, you return. I, or when you return. <laughs> or when I return. And so, but it 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 is, you know, when when we won the first one there, Tom, and you remember this vividly, um, being able to go around and share the stories, like where were you? What where did you watch the game? How was it? Those are the things that I get excited about still, even today. Um, even talking to my Kansas City Chiefs family. You know, just talking to friends, like, where were you? How many people did you have over at the game? And what did you guys have to eat? And even when I watch the game still today, I get nervous, although I know the outcome. You know, it, it's still one of those nerve-wracking games where you watch it and you, I'm sitting there saying, how do you guys watch this? There's no way I can watch this. What are we What are we doing here? So, <laughs> But it, it, it is a beautiful thing to be able to win a championship the first time in Nutley. And then to turn around and bring another Super Bowl back to Nutley in 2012, 11th season, 2012 Super Bowl. I mean, that that's just great. I mean, I'm just so excited for the township. I still have my PBA card, and uh, and and I have a lot of other things that are still from Nutley. And so, but I really appreciate you guys, and we appreciate you. Um, a little known fact is that you were also a player in the uh, men's basketball league and the men's softball league. Correct. <laughs> I don't know if I was a player. I was a participant, but I don't know if I actually played. I pulled my hamstring on the softball, trying to run to first base, thinking that I was a 20-year-old. And then in basketball, man, oh, my gosh, man, I was the best set shot jump shooter in America. I mean, it was just those are fond memories. And I do. I've been offered to play basketball and back in Kansas, and I have declined that offer two years in a row. And so <laughs> I need to get back out there and just move around a little bit more. But, um, yes, I played basketball and softball. Tell us the story about what happened when you went into the uh, giant facility after you pulled your hamstring in softball. Oh, gosh. I, 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 it, it's such a blur. I don't really know exactly what happened other than the fact that, that – you know, Ronnie Barnes and, and even Tom Coughlin wanted to know what happened to me. And wait a minute, you pulled your hamstring playing softball? You know how Tom is with that look. And I'm just, you know, walking around there limping with a gimp leg. And so it, it, it was it was well received in a, in, a, in, a, in a good fashion. You know, they picked on me and I, I thought I learned my lesson and then I decided I'm not going to play softball. But so now I'm going to play more basketball no that that wasn't smart so but um it it was it was one of those deals that you try to make sure that if you get injured make sure you get injured on the property there <laughs> at, at the facilities and not out playing rec sports but they didn't care about me as an old coach they was just like okay come on in here we'll treat you so <laughs> oh gosh it was awesome Can you become a coach at the professional level, you assume you're going to be traveling every few years. Like you said, it's very rare where you stay in one place for that long. Yep. What kind of uh, culture shock to, to get up and move after being in one place for so long? Yeah, you know, Tom, I really, if I go back and I think about how my coaching career started, and I remember saying to my lovely bride back then in 1996, I said, baby, I want to become a coach. And I said, but it's going to be a roller coaster now. It's going to be some ebb and flows. I said, if you're willing to ride with me, I'm going to pursue this. But anytime you want me to get off this ride, we can get off together and we can go and do some other job. And Yolanda agreed back in 96 that she would follow me as I pursue my coaching career. And even at the time, she didn't have a job. So in 1997, when I went to Tennessee, Chattanooga, I knew I was going to only be there for one season. And then I leave Chattanooga after six months and I go to Virginia Military Institution. And then I was there for three seasons. Then I go to the Jets for three seasons. Then I go to the Giants for 14 seasons. 
And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, some of my peers would pick on me and they would actually, after about eight, seven or eight years at the Giants, they would actually say to me at the combine or the senior bowl, say, Dave, you're never going to leave New York, are you? And I would tell them, nope, I'm not leaving. Why? Why? And everyone was talking about Tom Coughlin and how tough he was, but I needed Tom. And I'll tell you why. As I was going and moving around in the coaching ranks and when I left the Giants and went to Arizona for one season, moved my family, bought a home, all right, we signed the papers for the home in September, Tom. We were fired December the 28th. So September the 14th, we signed papers for this nice, beautiful home. We're fired December the 28th that same season. Yolanda had Christmas. She gave out all kinds of Cardinal gear. Everybody had presents and Cardinals. And I'm sitting here scratching my head like she has no clue that we're getting ready to be fired. Like, does she not see the record? And so we end up getting fired there. And now we take a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Tom calls me while Yolanda and I are over in Cabo with no job. I'm in Cabo. He said, Dave, yeah, we'll wait on you to just come back um, to the States before we interview you. And so he was joking, but yet he was dead serious. And so here I am over in Cabo trying to get back to North Carolina State. Tom Coughlin is calling me, offering me a job, basically, to come down there and interview in Jacksonville. So I go down to Jacksonville. I interview. I get the assistant D-line quality control job. Upon getting that job, leaving there, Doug Marone, we coached together at the New York Jets for two years, 2002, 2003. Doug came in as a college coach in 2002, was our offensive line coach, and the rest is history. He moved fast. And so I get the job with Jacksonville. Ten days later, Andy Reid calls Tom Coughlin and said, Tom, I would like to poach your guy, Dave Merritt, as my secondary coach. Well, Tom agrees. Tom tells him, yes. How do I know this? Doug Marone calls me, and Doug Marone says to me, Dave, have you talked to Steve Spagnola lately? I said, talked to Spags? Uh, maybe a week ago. Wow, what's up? He said, well, Andy Reid just called me, and he offered you the secondary job with the, with the Chiefs. I said, really? So my first time finding out that I was being offered a job was through Doug Marone. And so I said, okay, that's strange. He said, yeah, and Spagnola is going to be the defensive coordinator. You haven't talked to him? I said, I haven't, but I would call him now. He said, no, no, let me just call Andy back and make sure that this is legit. So, of course, it was legit if Andy called him. So we turn around, and after 10 days up on the contract, me trying to learn all my D-line techniques, because I coached D-line back in college for three years, I was trying to brush up on all of that stuff. I looked at Yolanda a couple of days before that call came in from Doug, and I said, yo, yo, we need to find a place in Jacksonville. Yolanda said, I'm driving over. I said, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean you're driving over? She said, I need some time off. This has been very stressful. So I'm going to drive. You stay here with the kids. I'm going to drive the car from Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, to Jacksonville, Florida. I said, baby, that's going to be like three days. She said, I know, and it's going to be great. <laughs> so, Tom, so, um, I'm sitting here saying to myself, okay, my wife is going to drive to Jacksonville. Okay, cool. Well, this call comes in a couple of days later. And I said, Yolanda, um, I have some good news. What do you think about coaching for the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes? She said, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, what happened? I said, well, apparently Andy Reid put in a request for me to be his secondary coach. So Doug Marone called me, blah, blah, blah. She said, okay, no problem. I said, so that trip that you were going to make to Jacksonville. So you can just don't worry about that because the Kansas City Chiefs will take care of everything. They'll fly us up and we can find a place. She said, no, no, no. I'm going to drive down to Kansas City. I said, what do you mean driving to Kansas City? She said, I'm taking my same trip that I was going to, going to take this weekend and I'm just going to go to Kansas City. Kid you not, Tom. She, she stayed on that same weekly plan. She took a trip to Kansas City instead of going to Jacksonville, found us a place to live, 
et cetera, et cetera. So moving hasn't been a problem. Yo-Yo <laughs> has been on board from day one. That's great. What about the kids, though? The kids didn't want to leave. Dawson and Drell did not want to leave. At first, they were grumpy, um, but they were young at the time. So you're talking 2017, eight, yeah, 17, Drell was born in eight, Dawson was born in 2006. So they're a little older. They have been nutley nice. You know, they have had their friends in Nutley. She had her dance studio, and Dawson had his boys that he would walk home from school with. So we get out to Arizona, and the kids immediately took a liking to it because of sun. It was sunny. It was it was just a change in environment that they hadn't been used to. So when you're talking about September, October, when it's still 98, 100 degrees outside, you know, they weren't used to that. And then once, you know, November rolled around and it was still in the 80s, they just loved it. I mean, and then December was the same way. You're still in the 70s and, you know, the 80s. And so they were just loving it all. So they they were okay. I think coming to Kansas City was one of those stops that needed to happen also because, Dawson and Drea had an opportunity again to make new friends. And so now any new kid that comes into like a school, um, like where they are right now in Overland Park, Dawson and Drea, and I've heard them actually say this, they try to become friends with that kid because they knew, they knew how they were when they were that same kid coming into the school system. So it's been great. So you get to the chiefs and then boom, they win two more Super Bowls. So, where Dave Merrick goes, Super Bowl rings follow. <laughs> where Yolanda goes, Super Bowl rings follow. Okay, because Yolanda has four rings, I have zero. I have four kids, and I have five kids. I'm sorry, I still have to win another Super Bowl. So I have four kids. All four of my rings are already gifted and wielded. Yolanda <laughs> has four pendants that she's not giving to anyone. So Yolanda has four rings. I have none. So I'm still waiting on my ring. I need to win two more before I get my ring. So the next ring is going to be Kiki's ring. And then I can get my ring on the fallen one. And then I can Thanos snap. Yeah. <laughs> I need six. <laughs> so speaking of Patrick Mahomes, that must be amazing to see every day. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Number one, he's a better person than he is a football player. And I know that's hard for people to understand. And I'm a guy, I've been coaching 27 years. This would be my 27th year. And I've been around a lot of different guys from the Vinny Testaverdes, from the Dan Marinos, a lot of different guys. And I'm here to tell you, Tom, Patrick Mahomes off the field is one of the more polite, funnier guys that you will ever be around. And so Pat is in a class by himself because the what he does off the field and how he makes his teammates feel because he's an open book and he can joke and pick with the best of them. And Eli had that same charisma, but Pat is on a different level in the sense that Eli was the best quarterback for that area, meaning in New York, New Jersey, the media, because he just had that stoic face and he couldn't read anything with him. Patrick Mahomes is such a fun guy to be around. We play golf uh, once or twice, and I'm telling this boy can hit a golf ball now. He can hit a golf ball, but he's just a great guy. You see him in practice, and you go against him. We practice against the offense in the spring, of course, and in training camp every day. And so you're not going to get a better look than what you're going to get with Patrick Mahomes. Now, mind you, we can't hit him, of course, so when we send blitzes, our guys are back there covering forever because Pat just starts running around and do, does his Pat thing. You know, the Pat cape comes out. And so he makes all these sidearm throws and behind-the-back throws. I mean, it's it's crazy to witness, and it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. All right, I'm going to mention a couple names or things, and I want you to just tell me a story or what comes to mind when you, when you, when you hear them. All right? Okay. Michael Strahan. Beat him in golf at Pine Valley. <laughs> I hope he heard that too. <laughs> Tom Brady. Oh, the GOAT. Tom Brady. Um, you know, it's funny. This year we were down playing Tampa, and I waited after the game for him to, you know, shake hands with a lot of people. 
and then we caught eyes and we gave each other a nice big hug and told him it's been great battling against him all the years. I knew he was going to retire, although we don't know if he's really going to retire, but <laughs> we'll see. But um, I just, you know, Tom Brady, being able to go against him, he's just such a competitor. Um, I would love to sit here and say that I was undefeated versus Tom Brady in Super Bowls, but he got me in 2020 when he was the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I did get him twice in New York, but um, he kind of came back and got me with some vengeance in 2020. So it took this year Super Bowl for me to get that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> and so, but um, Tom Brady is the ultimate competitor. How about Travis Kelsey? Oh gosh, smooth, smooth, just smooth. All the sisters love him. All the other any any race, any denomination, they all love him. It doesn't matter your color, creed. They all love Travis Kelsey. I mean, it is unbelievable how many older women, younger women love this man. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, okay, he has a goatee. I mean, what 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 are you guys seeing here? What, what, what is this? But smooth, smooth, smooth. And I remember Travis as a rookie. Um, Tom, I want to say, I think we played against him while we were at the Giants. And I remember him being a hothead. I remember Travis Kelsey, his first couple of years, being a big-time hothead. I mean, he was having fines left and right, costing his team, you know, games. And to see him, and I wasn't there during those times, but to see him become the man that he is today, I mean, he's just so smooth and everything he does. Even his walk is just slow and smooth. I mean, the guy just has it going on, and he has a career. The Saturday Night Live, I thought, was a great job. He – he did an uh, unbelievable job with that, but um, he's just smooth in everything he does. Good man. Eli Manning. Oh, the jokester. First thing that comes to mind is the freaking practice. He's a jokester. You can get on the elevator with Eli. You better watch yourself. Make sure he's away from the buttons because Eli is the ultimate prankster. And so if Eli is on, let's say, the fourth floor, and you have to go up to the 10th floor. You best believe 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth floor has been pushed by Eli. While he's standing there talking to you, he has pushed all the floors, and he tells you, have a good night. He walks off. I mean, he does it every time. He does it every time. But what a, what a, what a great competitor as well. But, but he is a hilarious character. And we all are saying that when you're looking at the Monday Night Football games because – Eli is letting his personality show it. It's a side of Eli that people didn't know. You know, everyone knows about Peyton, and I love Peyton, but no one knew that Eli can be as funny as he is. I mean, it may be a little dry wit, but at the same time, he's very funny. How about Andy Reid? Oh, my. Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. <laughs> cheeseburger. Let me treat you to some cheeseburgers. So Andy Reid, um, when he called me while I was on the golf course out in Arizona, and when we were talking about contracts and talking about, you know, the Chiefs, I told Coach Reed right away, I said, Coach, I don't, don't, let's not talk about money. Tell me about the restaurants in Kansas. I said, the money's going to take care of itself. Just tell me about the restaurants. He went on for probably five minutes talking about the restaurants <laughs> Q39, Joe's, uh, Jack Stack. I mean, he told me about all the barbecue spots. And, um, but every Saturday night, after his team meeting, he tells the guys, "I'm a treat. Let me treat you guys to some cheeseburgers." And no matter where we are, they always have to have cheeseburgers for Andy Reid and Hagen Dazs ice cream. How about that? Mm. If it's not Hagen Dazs ice cream, I remember one game they didn't have Hagen Dazs, and Andy Reid. I mean, the staff—they all knew the guys that were there with him before. They knew that that was an issue. And I, here I am in 2019. I'm I'm new. I'm like, what's the big deal? It's just ice cream. No, it's not just ice cream. No, 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 no. Andy Reid has to have vanilla and chocolate Haagen-Dazs ice cream the night before the game. Cheeseburger and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. So food comes to mind when I think of Andy Reid. <laughs> so when when the Chiefs come to Jersey, do they ask you, Dave, where do we? Where's the best place for burgers? You know what? They don't. What they do is they want to know about the pizza. And I won't get into that, but that they want to know about Jersey pizza. Um, they everything, to be honest with you, is it's just New York pizza, Jersey pizza. I'm like, wait a minute, there's more to eat here other than pizza. 
what are we what are we doing around here <laughs> and so but they don't everybody asks about pizza i have no clue i don't know why but they do i'm coughing disciplinary disciplinarian and i i alluded to this a little earlier um i needed tom coughlin to prepare me for where i am today if i had andy reed first and tom second i wouldn't have made it i needed tom's discipline and structure to help me out to become the coach i am today and because andy reed gives you so much freedom and he allows you to just do your job whereas tom coughlin just kept that thumb right on you and it had to be done now there was no waiting you know if you if tom gave you a project you went and you executed that project right away there was no waiting around you get it back to him later in the week and so i needed tom coughlin's structure and his discipline um style to help me to become the man i am today as a coach and so but um that's what comes to mind a disciplinarian finally nutley new jersey Oh, Tom Greco. No, no, you can't say that. <laughs> Tom Greco. When I think of Nutley, New Jersey, Janice Feedy, Fred Feedy, I mean, I'm I I mean, you you just name it. I can just keep on rolling out names. I mean, there's so much love in that town for the merits, and the merits loves all the people there. And I mean, it's just what comes to mind is the politeness of the people that are there. And, you know, I sit here and I think about the relationships that my wife was able to forge. And when she was doing her Zumba classes and things of that nature, you know, it's the one thing about New Jerseyans, they may be hard on the outside, but soft on the inside. And in North Carolina, a lot of people are very hard. I mean, soft on the outside, but yet they hard on the inside. The Italians and the friends up north are going to tell you exactly where you stand. You're not going to have, there's, no, there's going to be no great. You're going to know whether I like you or not. It's one or the other. And it's okay. I just want you to know. I even still talk with my hands, as you can see. You know, I talk with my hands because I got that after 14, 17 years upstate. And so, but, you know, it's just genuine, genuine, genuine people. And that's what comes to mind. Genuine people that will love you and if they have your back they have your back i could call you at two o'clock in the morning if i had something wrong with me i had a flat tire i know you would come and you would help me out just genuine people it's not that way everywhere so that's what i think of excellent i see a lot of uh golf memorabilia behind you but not much football so let me ask you a question if you could <laughs> would you give up all four super bowl rings to be on the pga tour no, no, not at all. Never, because that's a little too hard. I don't want to work that hard. <laughs> and, and, and plus, I need, I need a team with me to help me run to first base when I can't run to first base. I need a team with me to pass the ball to. If I don't want to run down the court and play defense, you're going to go down and play defense. And golf, it's all you, buddy. It's all you. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. It's, you know, Yolanda did this office here. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's a couple of things here that I want to show you. And I'm going to just, you remember that there. That oh, picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, that's the 2011. Yep. All right. That's Kansas City. Y'all don't care about that. All right. <laughs> that's at the White House. Wow. Okay. And, of course, these two plaques here, 07 and 11. And then over here the two Super Bowl teams, the 2017, Jared Lorenzen, bless his soul. Bless him, yep. 2017, and then of course, Tom, you remember this. Oh, the yeah. Comparisons yep. that John Berger and myself put together, and yep. I think I even shared them with you, but yeah, you did. Yep. There's, a, there's a lot of things in this office here, and I don't spend much time in the office, but it's, it's a great office to come into, and a lot of golf, but more football than golf for sure. What was it like when you had the parade in the Canyon of Heroes? Two times. Oh my gosh. I, I the first time I was in awe and I was numb and I didn't understand what was happening because when we went down the streets, first of all, when we got on the buses 
to start heading down the streets and you start seeing just a sea of blue, blue and red, blue, red and white. It was just magnificent. And then to go down and to see the side streets and I'm talking 15, 20 rows deep, you know, you had people there and it was just unreal. You look up and you see all the confetti coming down and the people out of their office, you know, just cheering. And it was so loud the entire time. And, you know, so the first time it was a little nerve wracking because I just didn't really know what was happening. And then we got the key to the city. My wife, my kids met Whoopi Goldberg. And it's just like, wow, this is pretty neat. The second time I thought I was a pro. And so I actually, you know, enjoyed myself a little more. I had my boys on the float with me because the first time they put the family on one float and the kids weren't allowed on our float. The second time they allowed us to have our kids with us. And so, but the second time was just awesome. And again, the sea of blue that you can see just from just, just miles, it felt, felt like miles and miles down the canyon. And so I turn around and I try to, tell people when they asked me about the Kansas City Parade, which was great. It was unbelievable. Don't get me wrong. But it was nothing like the New York Parade. And no one does it like New York. I mean, it's just so many people and so many giant fans that you didn't even know Flavor Flav came out with his clock around his neck. You know, I met Flavor Flav, you know, <laughs> public enemy, number one. I mean, so, but it was awesome, man. It, it's a feeling that is hard to describe but I wouldn't give that up for any PGA tour car ever. <laughs> I just asked, cause I don't think I've ever seen you without a golf club in your hand. <laughs> You're probably right at baseball games and everything. You're right. <laughs> I'm sure I can speak for all of Nutley. When I say we are looking forward to bringing you back on this podcast and introducing you as head coach, David Merritt. Thank coach. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> I take, and you're going to be my first assistant. Only thing I need you to do. Only thing I need you to do, Tom, is just bring me a cheeseburger. You got it. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, my friend.